Hey, uh, real super quick, you know, Dustin and uh, Vicky and Tom aren't here. Uh, uh, they're, uh, Dustin's leaving also. He, he's one of our college guys. They came here and moved here from California. It was interesting. Uh, I should share this during the prayer chart, but they came here for Dustin to be part of a marine science program, a master's program down at the University of Miami. They only picked like 20 people per semester, and they kind of custom trained them to be able to do some things that, uh, uh, that basically certain employers are looking for, like NOAA and different government company, you know, people are looking for. And so uh, he got in this program, but uh, he came down to be part of it, and all he had to do was take a few tests and stuff, and he just couldn't score high enough from the time that he got here till the time that it was t time to get in. And um, it was really cool, and I'm sharing, uh, he wanted me to share this with you guys. We were talking one day, and he said, uh, he said, yeah, man, the difference in my life when I was in California, I've always like maybe set goals and said, hey, here's what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me to do. I'm gonna do this. And then, and, and I come up with it, and now I just ask God to make it all happen. And he said, that wasn't happening when I moved to Florida. What was happening is it seemed like all the doors were shutting and God wanted me just to be cool with whatever was going on in my life right now. And he said, in fact, at that point, he said, I don't really even want to necessarily go to Miami. If I do go to Miami and be part of this uh, program, that'd be awesome. But if I stay here, I could be just as happy here, staying here. And, and I think that's what God wants us to be a lot of times. And so he said, the difference in my life right now is that I honestly and just trying to follow the Lord instead of a plan, if that makes any sense. Sometimes we make plans, and then we ask God to bless those plans and make our plans come about, and we think they're from the Lord, and we've got to make some plans and so on. But Dustin said what he learned since coming here to Driftwood, coming to Florida, is, you know what, man, my, my life is God's, and I'm just going to take each step that God wants me to take. And as I take that step, he kept hearing from us that if you take all the steps God wants you to take, you're going to end up exactly where God wants you to end up. Amen? Amen. Isn't that a great way to live as opposed to, man, trying to fit God into your plans? What if God wants to change those plans? What if God wants to do something else? And that's how Paul even said, the Apostle Paul said, I could be content whatever because I'm just taking whatever step God wants me to take and everything's going to work out. You take every step God wants you to take. And, and it works out. So he tried all these different ways. He even paid for study courses, all these different crazy things. And, and finally just gave up and said, look, I got one more shot. I'm taking the test. He took the test. And without all that pressure on him, he got rid of all the pressure he put on himself. And guess what he got? He passed. <laughs> and, and he got into the program. And now he needed to find a place to live. He had to find all these different things. And in a matter of about a week, week and a half, God dumped, dumped every one of these things pretty much in his lap and things that he couldn't orchestrate himself and so we celebrate that today because today we pray for dustin um, and vicky his mom because i mean you know vicky's mom she loves him very much and she's going to have a hard time with him being two hours away and and dustin's gonna have a hard time with her not coming down every day two hours away to visit him and so there's some little you know stuff going on there that some of you you're laughing now christy but you just wait and and, and so, so again, there's a lot of transition going on. But today, as we speak right now, they're in church somewhere looking for the first priority. The first priority is not necessarily the program Dustin's in, but helping Dustin find the church he's supposed to be in while he's down there. Because your number one relationship is your relationship with God. And if you don't grow there, dude, it doesn't matter where else you grow. Everything else is going to fall apart. And so I celebrate and praise God and ask you to pray for them because this is an important step that he finds the church he's supposed to have down there and, uh, and, and until basically even the, uh, yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool what God's doing. So praise God for that. And I want to encourage you maybe, uh, I just really felt God wanted me to say that today. It's not even what I'm preaching on. That was just a little lanyard, a little extra. But um, maybe you're kind of worried about your future. Maybe you're kind of like, dude, I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's happening. And, and, and you know what? Let me tell you a secret. All those people that would raise their hand right now and tell you that they know what's going on in their future, they're lying. <laughs> they don't know. That's why we live by faith, man. We may have God, we may have ideas, and the Bible does say we make our plans, but God directs our steps. We, we take it and we run with it and we try to make some plans, but the fact is, is he does say, give us this day our what? Daily. Our daily bread. Daily. Just take the steps he wants you to take right now, and I guarantee you'll end up where you're supposed to end up. But that's not what I'm preaching on today. So let's get into that real quick. There's a saying that... Uh, 
I had, I had kind of heard, I don't even remember, it was in the recent past that I heard this saying, and, and I've just kind of watched it in every facet of life, and, and, and I just keep watching it go, and as I was studying the end, Zane left me at chapter 22, verse 24, I said, where'd you end at, bro? You know, from last week, and he said, well, I left you in a bad place. You can't leave, you can't leave me in a bad place if you leave me in the Bible, all right? It'll be there, and as I started reading it, and looking at it, I just kept hearing this saying. I, I looked at how it all started and where it ended, and it didn't affect Paul at all, but, but as far as how the people got in the positions that they were in and they got burnt and how they, that there was disruption in, in everybody's life but Paul's, because Paul was following the Lord, this saying just kept ringing true in my head. Listen to this. It says, a lie can run halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. You hear that? How many of you have heard that saying before? Something like it. A lie can run halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. Uh, I, I looked it up to try to see who to give credit to, and you can't give it credit to anybody. Some people say it was Mark Twain. It does sound like a Twainism, okay? But others say, no, it wasn't him. It was this author. It was this person. Colin Kaepernick recently actually gave credit to uh, Winston Churchill for it. And then, of course, somebody in the media bl blast said, no, if it wasn't this and disproved all of it. So the fact is, we don't know who said it, but... I'll tell you what, there's some truth to this right here. Because what happens, how many chances do you get to make a first impression? One. One. So when somebody says something in our minds, especially when we're being bombarded all the time with so many, so many things, how many of you are bombarded constantly with stuff? <laughs> school right now? Yeah, I mean, you got school, too, too. So if something comes in, it's like, yeah, that's it. I'm tucking that away. I don't want to know anymore. You know, we have all these compartments in our head, and we get bombarded by stuff. Seth, you were telling me, what was the statistic you were giving me about being bombarded in this day compared to the, the pilgrim days or something along those lines? You remember? Yeah, Jonathan Edwards used to, uh, he used to take time out of his day every day to go for a walk in the woods for an hour because he wanted to get rid of the distractions And yet he felt it necessary to take an hour out of every single day and go in solitude in the woods and communicate with God and strengthen his relationship instead of being distracted. Yeah, so how many notifications is your phone capable of giving you? How many different apps and different things can your and then how many notifications do you get on each one of those? How many are you like my wife and you wait till you get 895 uh, tech uh, uh, emails before you erase them? Or how many are like me that you hate notifications? I erase them as soon as they come and I look at them. I can't let them catch up with me. I can't let them overtake me. I feel overwhelmed and, uh, in that. And, and yeah, that is the, way, the life that we live. So since we're being bombarded, I think what happens is whatever comes first into our life as far as a situation, all of it, whatever we hear first, boom, that takes priority. That's it. And, and, and it may be two weeks before all the facts come out about something, or at least more facts come out that give us a different perspective on it. But by that time, we don't even care because we've moved on to the next crisis, right? right. I mean, just think about current events, and I'm not going to bring up politics, current events. I'm going to let you apply this in any way you want to apply it today. But just in current events, last week there was a horrendous tragedy. And in the middle of the week, another tragedy. Yesterday, another tragedy. If you were to follow the news every two to three days, there's some mind-blowing tragedy, tragic thing happening. And again, I think we're even becoming sort of desensitized in a lot of ways towards that. And again, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know he's closer to coming back today than he was yesterday because he is coming back. And Jesus said, here's what he's told the disciples. Because the disciples are like, well, when are you coming back? Wait a minute, you're leaving? We thought you were coming back, right? No, wait, we thought we're taking over, you know. And he's like, no, I'm leaving, and I'm going to come back for you. They had no idea it was going to be thousands of years later. And, and we don't really know when. And they're like, well, what are the signs? What's happening? And he's like, okay, okay, okay. First of all, I'm going to tell you, don't get distracted. <laughs> don't be deceived. That's what he said to them over and over. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And, okay, well, what does that mean? We said, focus on what you're supposed to be doing. He said, here's what's going to happen. The world's going to get so horrible that you're going to think, I have to come back. 
It can't get any worse. And you're going to be just convinced that I've got to come back. And guess what happens? I don't come back. It gets worse than you thought it would. And then it's going to get really worse. And then it's just going to, you're going to think it can't get any worse. And then I have to come back. And then there's going to be a little time of peace. And I'm not going to come back. And, he's going to, and you're going to go through that cycle over and over. And each time it's going to get worse and worse. So he said, don't worry about those things. Don't let those things distract you. Don't let them discourage you. Don't let them depress you. Instead, what you should do is let those things motivate you towards what's really getting ready to happen is that I am going to come back. How many of y'all believe Jesus is going to come back? Yes. And he said, so here's what he said. Ladies, you're going to have to help me out with some details if you want. Otherwise, you're going to have to trust my expertise on gynecology. I'm <laughs> so I woke you up there, didn't I? All right. Now, um, well, obstetric. What, what's it called when you have a baby? Ops, what, okay, there you go. That. Hey, I slept in a Holiday Inn last night. No, I'm just joking. But listen, man, what did he compare the things that are happening in this world to? He called, compared them to birth what? Pains. Birth pains, yes. And he said, so in essence, the general synopsis is that he said they're going to get more frequent and they're going to get more intense. Why does God give women birth pains? Well, to let you know the baby's coming. First of all, it's like, okay, well, so it's from the curse. Yes, it is from the curse. Now you're going to have babies and it's going to hurt. How many of y'all would vouch that the Bible is true, that they do hurt? Yes. Rory, how do you know? (laughs) All right. Is there something we need to know about? No, I'm just messing with you. All right, but yeah, they do. They hurt. But it's to let you know the baby's coming. Dude, I will never forget walking through... Uh, I was walking through Haiti. I don't know if it was with you guys or somebody else, but I'm just walking through our property in Haiti, and it was a full moon. I just know that now. But I'll just never forget it was so surreal. I'm walking through Haiti with some people, and all of a sudden, I just see something coming out of the back end of a mama goat. And I'm like, whoa, what? You know? And, and it's a baby goat that just drops. And she let it drop and just kept going. And there were mama goats just dropping babies. And I'm just thinking, oh, I had never seen that before. And I'm thinking, how fortunate am I that that's not what happened to me? Some of you wonder if that's what happened to me. I got dropped out the back end in the supermarket. But literally, God gives birth pain so we know that the delivery is coming. Right? Now, we don't know when it's coming, do you? Because, man, it could come like you might not even get to the hospital, right? Or you may spend hours and days in labor, right? It could be any of those. But the fact is that when, those, when the water breaks and those birth pains start, you know it's coming. And so what does that cause you to do then? What, what, is, what does it cause you to do when, uh, besides cry and besides your husband driving like a maniac or whatever? What does it cause? What is all of your focus on now? Are you making plans for a vacation the next day? No. Are you planning? Man, your nesting time is over. When those birth, when the water breaks, the birth pains start. All of your focus. Robbie, what was all your focus on? <laughs> yeah, dude. What do we have to do? Let's go. Well, I got time. No, you don't. Here, you know. Everything we do from now on is focused on the delivery of that baby. Is that not true? So when we see these birth pains happening in the world and in our society and in our families and in our churches, it should, it's not to make us, oh no, a baby, Jesus is coming. You know, we're not upset about the baby coming, are we just looking forward to that baby coming? Well, the guys are at least, (laughs) but I'm just saying, no, mamas are too. They're just, there's going to be some pain, but, but man, it's like when we see that happening, all our effort, all our energy, all our focus is on making sure that we are ready so when it comes, it can have the most beautiful, wonderful entry ever. And he's saying it's the same thing. He said, you see these birth pains, man. Church, wake up. Don't go on vacation. I'm not saying don't go on vacation, but I'm saying there's things you just don't do once the water breaks. Hey, are you going paddle boarding on Tuesday? I don't know. It depends how long labor lasts. You know, it's like, no, you don't. There's things you just don't do. All your life is dedicated now to the delivery of this baby. And as we see these things happening, that's what the church needs to be focused on. Is Jesus coming back? If you believe he's coming back, let's live our lives in that way. Because when he comes back, where are we going? Heaven. Hey, brother, you're a pastor. Where are we going? Yeah, for a honeymoon, man. The se- a seven-year marriage supper of the lamb. And it's going to be awesome for us. 
If I die sooner, that's even more awesome. But, but when he comes back, it's awesome if I've got Christ. But he's left us here to bring some folks with us. And that's why he didn't take us to heaven the moment we were born again. Because this is what our purpose is on this planet. So these birth pains as we see a man, dude, they should be motivating us. Not making us fearful. Not making us scared. And, and not discouraging us. Oh, this world's horrible. Well, guess what? If all of your hope and joy and contentment is wrapped up in this world, then yeah, you should be sad. Because the world's getting worse. Do you not see that? If you read scripture in context, is hu are human beings going to become better or worse? Is this earth going to become better or worse? There's nothing getting better in all of this. That's why this is not our home. I'm digging it while I'm here, man. If there's anybody digging this place right now, it's me. And I'm digging it for everything it's worth. But I understand my purpose is to be a kingdom child and help people see life from God's perspective. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do. So as we see this happen, man, a lie runs halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. How often, how many times have we seen that in the media? The crisis last week, I'm not bringing up, but all of a sudden, the first thing you hear is, bam, there it is. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, oh let's just make all these, uh, you know, let's, let's change everything because of, and then you start getting bits and pieces and bits and pieces, and all of a sudden, you get a little more bits and pieces of what the truth might be, and yet everybody's already made decisions on stuff. But how often do we do that in our own life? And so we're going to see this happen, man. Be careful, because look what it said. A lie can run halfway around the world, and you've already followed it before the truth gets its shoes on. That's one of the things law officers have a lot of problems with, because the media can come out and say something right away. In, in, in all these crises that happen, the meetings say whatever they want to say. How many of y'all know that? They can say whatever they want to say, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but the law officers in the legal system can't really say stuff until they have some facts. And so it takes a while, but by the time they come up with facts, a lot of times people don't even care anymore because they're on to the next crisis because we've only got a little bit of compartments for that particular situation in our brains. So here's the point I want to make to you guys is this. A lie can run halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. But look at this. God does not want his children to help it get there. God forbid that we are the ones spreading lies because it happens to be the first thing we heard. And for some reason, we forget our purpose. We forget why we were left here. We forget that we're ambassadors for Christ. And all of a sudden, we want to be big shots in this world and talk about stuff that we don't even have facts to back up. How many of y'all be guilty of that? I'm guilty, dude. I've got my passions too. You can probably guess what some of mine are aside from Christianity. And I can't let those overrule the passion that I am a Christian and I represent Christ. Here's some verses. I picked some verses up out of, out of Proverbs before we get into Acts. It says spouting off. Anybody here guilty of spouting? How many of y'all are sitting next to somebody that spouts off? I dare you. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Spouting off. Listen. All right. Listen. I'm, I'm guilty. Spouting off. I mean, I mean, isn't that very descriptive there? Spouting off. Spouting off before what? To the what? Oh, my goodness. But I heard the facts. That's what they said on TV. I heard the facts. That's what I saw on the video that I didn't know what they edited in or out. That's what. Uh, man, I'm just saying again. I heard the facts. I heard what that person said about this person. Did you go to this person and get what they, their side of the story? How many of y'all know there's three sides of the story? There's your side, their side, and the side. <laughs> but how often do we spout off by only listening to the facts of one person and not getting the whole story? How many of you know that it might be impossible to get the facts? Because nobody knows what the facts are. And that's why Jesus said in these last days, he said, be not deceived. What's the only truth that we have? The word of God. The word of God. Pour your life into the word of God. That's something that you're not going to be disappointed in. That's something that you can speak of as fact. And it's there. It's never going to change. And it's probably the only facts we have. So spouting off before listening to the facts is what? Shameful and foolish. It's going to bring shame on you when you figure out that you were wrong, and you're going to look foolish in this. Look at, uh, this is the uh, messages version of it. He says in a more blunt way in the message, answering before listening is both what? Shameful. 
Stupid and what? Rude. Rude. Yeah. I, I know I'm guilty, and God brought something up of Fernanda uh, the other day. Uh, Fernanda, we were at her house, and, and she always makes coffee for us. And I have a terrible habit of interrupting people. I'm, because I'm kind of ADD, and I don't want to forget what I was going to say, but that means what I was going to say is more important than what you had to say. And it's rude! So she was like, oh, I got some coffee, and I recognize the package, and I know she goes all these. I'm like, before she can even say it, I'm like, it's that German coffee that's rich and creamy, isn't it? And she's like, well, yeah. I just like, I was rude. I want to apologize. You didn't take anything of it. But as I'm studying this, that's what he's talking about, spouting off before. How did I know what you were going to say? I robbed you of being able to tell me about the rich and creamy coffee or something else, but... But the point I'm trying to, trying to make is that if we answer something before we totally listen, it's rude. How many of y'all are rude like me? I don't have time to let you finish your sentence. I already know what you're going to say. Do I? <laughs> no, I don't. And so you call me out on being rude, all right? Just go like that, all right? If that doesn't work, get a squirt gun filled with, like, muriatic acid or something. I'm just like, no. <laughs> Like a dog. All right. Answering before listening to both is both stupid and it's rude. Uh, Proverbs 18.8 of New Living Translation. Look what it says. Rumors. What's a rumor? Something that's not based on fact. Yeah, something that a rumor has part of the truth in it. Okay. It could be edited truth. It could be, it's just something that's not the complete truth. Okay. Rumors are dainty more. How many of y'all like to hear some dainty morsels? Dainty morsels, dude. Roger, we can devour some dainty morsels, right? A whole box of them. Oh, a few boxes. Yeah, two boxes of them, right? A dainty morsel like, oh, dude, this is so good. And, but yet sometimes rumors, sometimes it fit something that we hear that gets our heartstrings or gets us going. Sometimes we hear something and it just, and it's like a dainty morsel, he says, and it sinks deep into one's heart. And once your heart's set on it, dude, it's, it, it's there. It's going to take a whole lot of other dainty, truthful morsels to change that opinion. I wonder how many times we've been deceived by taking in that first dainty morsel. He says, don't jump to Proverbs 25, 8 in the message. Don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you saw. You understand? You can't even believe what you see. I mean, Photoshop. <laughs> Anybody good at Photoshop? Seth, can they make pick? Yeah, JJ's awesome at Photoshop. He could get so many of you in trouble by Photoshopping you with other people and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, between Photoshop and editing and, and, but again, and everything in life, you know, you gotta be careful of what you even see. Because who's the master illusionist? Who's the master magician, the master deceiver? Satan. The devil, Satan. You gotta take what you see and what you experience and you've gotta run that through the sieve of God's word to know whether it's true or not. How many of you ever been to see a magician or an illusionist that you're like, dude, how'd they do that? I mean, oh my goodness, I saw it, I saw it, but I know that's not the truth. <laughs> so that's just for fun. Imagine what the enemy likes to do with your life when his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy you. Don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you saw, but you've got to try. If you feel this is something you need to get into, you better go explore and get as much information as you can from all the sources if you feel that's what God wants you to spend your time, effort, and energy on. Don't you dare take just one little light surface thing and then make a big deal of it. He said it's going to be foolishness for you. Look at this. Verse 15, the what? Gullible. How many of you are gullible? Okay, we got a few of you say that. Okay. Yeah, Ashley, dude. You guessed at the state park, there was a water fountain there. And I didn't even realize it. When she was little, it was a water fountain. It used to be outside the bathroom. And I told her, oh, that's for dogs. She's 20-something years old. And she's like, um, you're going to drink out of the dog fountain? I'm like, I am so sorry for all the things I told you when you were little that were just out of joking or whatever. I'm trying to straighten those out now. But, but she has a Holy Spirit in her that's got some discernment. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. But, again, gullible. We don't like to admit we're gullible. How many of us like to admit we're deceived? Even when we find out we're deceived, we want to justify how it all happened. But the gullible believe what? Anything that they're told. The prudent 
sift and weigh every word. Now, again, does that mean that that's what we're supposed to do with every issue that comes out? Every crisis that comes out on the news, everything that comes up in the neighborhood or the condo association? Or are we supposed to spend all our time sifting out all these things? Yes or no? Yes. If we're going to deal with them. Yeah. But if who tells us whether we're supposed to deal with all these issues or not? God. So you better check it out, what you're spending your effort and energy on. Oh, they believe everything they're told, the prudent sift and weigh every word. That's me, the wise, not me that sifts it out. I'm gullible. <laughs> the wise watch their step and they avoid evil. Fools are headstrong and reckless. So man, if you're gonna jump on something, especially on Facebook where everybody can be big or snap or you know, Instagram or in the, so write a blog. <laughs> You know, all these, it's amazing what the internet and people hiding behind a keyboard, how bold they are when in fact in the past they wouldn't have been nearly as bold if they had to do this face to face with people. Man, if you're, if you're believe this is some cause that you're called to be a champion for, for, you really need to dig in and find out. You really need to dig in and, and, and you need to understand it. You need to research it. You better make sure it's what God wants you to be a champion for. But don't forget your higher calling. But God forbid that we help a lie get halfway around the world because we just want to take the first thing we hear. We want to deal with the first thing we see, and we just take it and we run with it. God forbid we do that because, again, help me out, a lie can run halfway around the world before the truth gets a shoot on, and God, shoes on, and God does not what? That's not our job. Our job is to help the gospel get there. So when people are talking to me about how bad things are or they've got trouble, I want to help them see life from God's perspective when I'm not being carnal and being a gossip. <laughs> I want to help them see life from God's perspective. That means I got to see it from that perspective. And that's really what I'm called to tell you to do today. We could quit here, but we have a beautiful story in Acts chapter 22 that's only a few verses long that will just corroborate this whole thing. Look, if you would, a couple of things to remember. Rumors start riots. Hey, you two are, are teenage girls, right? And you live in the sort of same neighborhood, all this. Have you ever seen somebody start a rumor and all of a sudden there's a riot among friends? Little rumors start riots. Would you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. Aren't you glad when you grow up and you're now a grown woman and you're in school and uh, college that that doesn't happen anymore? That's it. And Susie, aren't you glad that when you become an older, mature, wiser woman and you live in a condo, that that doesn't happen in the condos? Yeah. <laughs> I like your answer. <laughs> yeah. It happened. Rumors start riots. And so I'm not just telling you not to be the one who starts the rumor. What I'm telling you is more from the other perspective that when you hear a rumor, don't be part of the riotous crowd because you just... Um, naively jump right in and follow because that's what happens here. Check this next couple verses out. It says the what? The crowd. Isn't that what instigators always use is the crowd, right? And I know because I was called an instigator when I was little before I ever even knew what one was. <laughs> My whole life I've been used to help people do things they wouldn't normally do. Hopefully it's Godly things now. <laughs> That's really what I'm trying. That's what I'm aiming for, okay? To get something else out of it. It's really godly things. The crowd. Listen to Paul. So here's what we did. I don't know how far we're saying went with all of this. But basically, Paul's getting ready to get arrested because he goes to Jerusalem where there's a bunch of Christian believers who were Jews, but they were Christians. The church was growing in Jerusalem. He comes back from his third missionary journey telling them all the awesome things God's been doing on these missionary journeys, all the people that have been saved, and, and, and here he's hearing from them. But some guys come from, from uh, up in Ephesus area that have been chasing them all along, and they were starting rumors saying, well, Paul told people they don't have to be Jewish anymore. He's talking bad against the temple, against Jewish things, and, and Paul never did that. He just said, you got to have Christ first, and if you still want to do Jewish things, just relate them to Christ. And Gentiles, you don't have to do Jewish things. He cleared it up so many different times, but they came and they started rumors about Paul. And so before checking, what does the crowd usually listen to, Mike? What's the crowd listen to? Rumors. <laughs> does the crowd check things out? You're there, and somebody says, yeah. Next person's like, what did you say? Oh, yeah. Next person. And all of a sudden, you got a whole crowd. 
all listening to that rumor and all donating. In fact, we've seen so many times in Acts where there's a riot and, and they don't even know what they're rioting about because everybody just jumped on the bandwagon. Aren't you glad we don't do that in our society today? <laughs> the crowd listened to Paul. And, and until Paul, listen to this, this is great. So apropos today. The crowd listened to Paul. Uh, so Paul basically says, let me explain things to you guys. So he starts talking in Hebrew. They all listen. Whoa. And, and he starts talking to them. And they were listening intent. Look at this. The crowd listened to Paul until what? Everybody, that word. Hey, what do we call it today when somebody just loses it over that word? Triggered. <laughs> Did you say triggered? Yeah. Triggered. I mean, is that not the definition of triggered? They were listening intent until he said that word, and all of a sudden, oh, they're triggered. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What's that word that triggers you? What's that cause that triggers you? And I'm not talking about biblical causes, and it could be, and we may be justified in there, and maybe they are related, but what is that situation that just triggers you? All of a sudden, no holds barred. I can do whatever I want because I am now triggered. <laughs> you know what it is for me? When I go to Sonny's and they say they don't have chicken on all-you-can-eat chicken Sunday, I'm triggered! No, I'm just joking. But, no, but literally, um, seriously, is that not a thing? Uh, you know, Rory, is that not a thing now? There's even memes to show people's face what they look like when they're... Can you give us a triggered face, Rory? Come on, man, give us a triggered face. Terry, can you give me a triggered face? Okay, that's a triggered face. Let me see your triggered face. Okay, yeah. It's like, dude, I am now a total triggered zombie, man, and there is nothing that can be said until I calm down and look at comments. How many of y'all have seen somebody get triggered? Okay. How many of y'all have been triggered? <laughs> Every one of us. So they were listening. They were taking it in until they got triggered, until that one word. Does anybody know what that one word was? What's that? Jesus. No, no, one Jesus, not in this story. What? And it, Gentile. That was a word you're like, triggered over Gentile? Dude, I can think of much better words to be triggered over. So could they when you get triggered over your word. It was Gentile because that's what the, what the instigators, the rumor starters had all started, that Paul hates Jews and loves Gentiles. He's taken away everything Jewish from you. And right now, we know Jews are hanging on by a thread. We're trying to be as Jewish as possible because literally in probably about 10, 15 years, the temple's going to be destroyed and Judaism's going down anyways. And they saw the fruit of that. They saw, they saw that was getting ready to happen. And they're trying to hold on to everything Jewish they could. And so the word Gentile triggered them. Because that's what the Judaizers, that's what the instigators got them to believe. They got them to believe Paul is evil. Gentiles are evil. Everything here is evil because they just took it in and they rolled from there. So the crowd listened until Paul said that word. I want to challenge you to ask God. You ask the Holy Spirit, what's that word that triggers you? And then I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is it righteous that I am triggered by that word? And do I always respond in a righteous way? Because I'm not saying there are some things that should trigger us, but we should respond in a right way. Is this something God wants me to be triggered over? What does it take to get me on a viral Facebook post and a big argument with people over this or Instagram or in a blog, whatever? Again, is it something God wants you to be triggered? And I can't tell you that. You've got to figure that out. But I just know we've been left here with a purpose and we have a higher calling than anything else going on in this world. So he says, Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live. And in fact, in the message, it says he's an insect. He deserves to be squished like a roach. <laughs> doesn't say roach, but that's the concept. <laughs> that's, what they, that's how triggered they were. They heard, They were listening. And all of a sudden, one thing popped up, and it's all gone. Boom. And who put that one thought, that one word in their head? The Judaizers. They, those instigators accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. So understand, rumors are going to cause riots. They're going to cause riots. And look at this, this next step here. Oh, wait. They, oh, here's, here it is, too. What happens when people are triggered? <laughs> Anything goes, right? You can flip cars, burn them, burn buildings. You do whatever you want to do. You can have a temper tantrum. Look at this. They yelled. They threw off their coats and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. Kevin, would you like to act that one out for us? 
Okay, all right. Imagine that. Have you ever seen somebody all of a sudden get triggered and they yell, they throw off their coats, toss handfuls of dust in the air? I know that's exactly what I did when you tried to help me drive the other day. But I'm just saying, I'm working on it. <laughs> that happens to be something that triggers me right now. But <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get over it. But look, look at the behavior of somebody who's triggered. Is that a Christ-like behavior? No, if you are going to be triggered righteously, you should have Christ-like behavior to, to basically back that up. So again, ri uh, rumors cause riots. If you participate, you're going to get played. So to understand when rumors start up, you better figure out if you're going to follow them or not. Because if you follow them and they're wrong, you know what? They're going to cause riot. If it grows big enough, it's going to cause a riot. And maybe for the wrong thing, but if you participate, it's going to backfire on you. You are going to get played, guaranteed. No matter who you are, what position you're in, you're going to get played in all of this. Look at this, verse 24. The commander, oh, what's a commander? Is that a little peon or somebody in high up? High up. So even somebody high up in, this is the dude head of the jail there. The commander brought Paul inside and look at this, ordered him what? Lashed with whips to do what? To make him confess the crime. Okay, Terry, we think you're guilty. Come on in. We're going to lash you with whips to make you confess. <laughs> that, 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 that's the justice system there. So don't tell me, oh, his justice system wasn't like ours or blah, blah, blah. No, dude, what they would do is literally strip you naked many times. They would take you on a pole, and they would tie your hands, and then they would put a, a splint between your legs to stretch you out. They would stretch you as far out as you could be stretched out. And what they're trying to do is they're, we, they're beating you. These were Romans. The, the Jews did it with, a, with a, a stick. They had rods. But the Romans, they had that cat of nine tails that Christ got beat with. They had nine pieces of leather coming off. And, and usually would do it less than, you know, the Jews would encourage them to do it less than 40 times. But they'd have bone. They'd have glass. They would have metal, they would have rock, they had all these things at the end. And so as you're stretched out, bam, he would hit you in the back and nine things would stick in your back. How many of y'all would confess to a crime that you didn't do right away after the first one? Anybody here after the first one? Okay, all right, and then, no, think about this. People died of having their guts ripped out. They died of infection because I don't think they cleaned these after they did the last guy. And there's rotting flesh and rotting stuff on it. So, bam, they pull it out and hit you again. How many of you are going to confess to a crime you didn't do after the second one? And so this was their justice system in this for non-Roman people. Anybody in the Roman government that wasn't a Roman person, dude, just confess. We'll give you your crime and, and, and unless you want to die from these lashes because many people did. What do you have to hold your guts in back here? And every time they would take it and rip it out and you'd have these, these slashes in your back. Wide open guts, everything. So that's what they were going to do. The commander brought Paul inside, ordered him lashed. And how did this all start with a what? Rumor. And a bunch of people that just jumped on board on the bandwagon without checking out the facts. It was just the popular thing to do. They didn't check to see if that's what God wanted them to do. Because I think if God, what God would have wanted them to do if they were following him would be to support Paul. But nobody stood up to him because a crowd usually doesn't. Crowd stands up to what's most favorable for them at the time. The commander brought Paul inside, ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess to the crime. Of course, Paul wasn't going to do it. And by the way, Paul says that there were five times that he was beat for Christ like this. This time he didn't happen to get it yet. Five times he took this for Christ. He said, for me to live is Christ, dude. Die is gain. He said, when I die, it's going to be way better, but for now, I live for Christ. He bought me with the most valuable price he could ever pay for anyone. That's with his blood. That's my calling, not to be a social justice warrior for some other situation, but for the gospel. If that includes being that social justice warrior, just make sure you don't miss the main point, which is the gospel. He said, man, and he said he wanted to find out why the crowd had become so fierce. So the dude whipping Paul. What does that last verse say? He wanted to find out why the Did he even know why he was whipping Paul? Did he even know the problem was? No. He played right into the crowd's hands. 
You participate, you're going to get played. It may not work out right for you. So here's the dude who's in charge of everything, thinking he's got just some peon. He's beating him with a rod, getting ready to beat him with a rod, got him all stretched out, and he's going to try to get Paul to confess to something, and he's going to find out why the crowd is so furious, because he didn't have a clue. Look at verse 25. When they tied Paul down to lash him, they stretched him out, they tied him down to lash him. Paul said, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> and... He said to the officer standing there, hey, by the way, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? <laughs> he, he knew the answer. The answer is to a Roman citizen. You can't even bind a Roman citizen. They've already crossed the line, let alone whipping one. And the penalty for doing that to a Roman citizen was death yourself. And it was a serious, serious offense. So here they are. The dude rushed to judgment and did something very, getting ready to do something very vile, horrible, not only to Paul, but to himself because he got caught in a fit of emotions. Hey, Jesse, you ever done anything out of emotions that you wish you didn't do out on the soccer field? You want to share it with us? No, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But yeah, out of emotions, man, you get caught up in the moment. And you do something stupid. You do something, you do something that is good, not good for them, not good for you. That's where this guy's at. That's what happens when we're not doing what God wants us to do, but we're following that crowd. When we get caught in that riot that was caused by a rumor because it sounded good. We didn't follow it all the way through to figure out what we're really standing for and not standing for. Because it's a deceptive world. Paul's tied down. He said, is it legal to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he said, everybody on the count of three say, uh-oh. One, two, three. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh-oh. All of us that are involved are going to be in huge trouble. We're fixing to switch places with this prisoner. We got played. How did this happen? Well, I'm just trying to do my job. I was trying to get home to an early lunch break. You know, just want to get this job over, whip this poor soul, and, and then just move on, have lunch with my kids, and spend some quality time with my wife, you know? <laughs> but now things have changed because he didn't do what God wanted him. He was doing what he felt he should do, just going through the motions. When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and said, what are you doing? This is a Roman citizen. And the guy, and what do you think the next guy said? On the count of three, tell me what he said. One, two, three. Oh. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Hey, Paul, <laughs> are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, yes, I am. Now, you got to understand, Roman citizenship, had, it was valuable. And it only came with certain things. You had to be born into it, and, 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 or you had to have it gifted to you because you did some great thing. We don't know how Paul got Roman citizenship. People believe maybe his grandfather, father, somebody did some great thing, and then Paul was born into it from there. Or some people were bribed into it. And some people could pay big money and be made a Roman citizen. So he asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. The guard said, I am, the commander said, I am too. The commander, what? <laughs> Muttered, I am, I am too. And it cost me plenty, so how did he get his? For bribery. Thinking that Paul got his on bribery, like, you know what? I got mine the same way you got yours. But Paul answered and said, no. He said, but I'm a citizen by what? Earth. On the count of three, what do you say? One, two, three. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. You see what happens when we rush into things? We end up saying, uh-oh. And God doesn't want us there. The soldiers who are about to interrogate Paul. Hey, interrogate? It seemed like they were about to beat the snot out of him. He was in, they were about to interrogate him, quickly withdrew. Yeah, when they heard that he was a Roman citizen and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped, which was against the law, and it could cause, bring him great death in all of this. So here's the last thing in, in, in honor of a show that probably no longer exists even on reruns. <laughs> Uncle Cy, what, do we, what should we do if we're going to pursue something? Get the facts, Jack. <laughs> I don't even know if that show's on, but I'm just saying those were so. So listen to the listen to riot, rumors cause riots. If you participate, you're going to get played. So instead of doing this, do what you should have done to begin with. And what should you do to begin with? Help me out. Get the facts, Jack. You guys don't even want to say that, do you? Help me out. Come on, you guys got to say it, man. 
Get the facts, Jack. You've got to get the facts. And you've got to understand sometimes we can't get all the facts. Sometimes we're never going to be able to get all the facts. So what do we do with something that we don't, aren't able to get all the facts with? Tom, what do you think we should do with something we don't get all the facts for? Let it go till you get them. Let it go till we get them. And if we realize we're never going to get them, let it go. Let it go. Even if you're triggered, <laughs> right? Let them go. And you got to understand there's some things in this world, especially the things our media brings us over and over and over again to trigger us, that we're never going to get all the facts for. But what's one thing we do have all the facts for? The gospel of Jesus Christ. We have all the facts. We understand that we come into this world as a sinner, an enemy to God, wanting to do what we want to do and not what he wants to do. And the only reason we'd ever do anything good is because we realize it's going to benefit us. And we understand that the only way someone can have a home in heaven is by being reborn. The only way someone can bring glory to God is by being reborn. When he gives you the desire and ability to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him because you believe that what he did on the cross was adequate to pay for your sins and you surrender yourself to him, man, you get born again. We know that's a fact. And when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and helps you fulfill the purpose of being an ambassador here, gives you everything you need to do that, but he gives you a home in heaven where we will live forever. That's a fact. Jack, <laughs> we know those are the facts. The gospel's a fact. And so maybe we should possibly as a church stick to the facts sometimes. Possibly. But here, look what they did. <laughs> the next day, the commander ordered the leading priest into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out, a little late now, pal, he wanted to find out what the trouble was all about. So he released Paul to have him stand before them. He wanted to get the facts. Just kind of in the wrong way. Concluding this, looking at it, a lie can run halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on, and God doesn't want his children to help it get there. So that's my prayer today, is that, is that me, starting with me, and ending with every one of you, and the people we have influence over, that we can help people see life from God's perspective, and not help rumors and lies get to where they are. Not be part of that group that does that, but instead the things we're chasing and we're pursuing are things God wants us to chase and he wants us to pursue. God doesn't want his children to help the lie get there. So you gotta remember, rumors start riots. If you participate, you're gonna get played. So get the facts, Jack, and look, answer to your higher calling. Check this out, man, we're done. It's only 10 after 11. No, just <laughs> Somebody took my clock. That's what, no, I'm just joking. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I think God's just getting done here. But listen, our higher calling. Do you understand what your calling is in life? Do you understand out of everybody in the universe, everybody in the world came in this world as an enemy to, enemy to God? And everybody in this world, because of sin, going against God, deserved to deserve to experience the wrath of God. The wrath of God coming against them. That's what you're running from is the wrath of God. And at the end of your life being sent to hell because you deserve that. That's the wrath of God. But at some point in time, he gave you the desire and the ability to believe that what Christ did on the cross paid for your sins. How many of y'all ever had that desire given to you? Yeah. Roger, 67, man, you had that desire given to you. It was a desire that you thought before was foolishness. But he let you know, I need to be saved. And I need to be saved, not just from my sins. I need to be saved from God. Because God's wrath is what I'm going to face at the end. And the only thing that appeased God's wrath was the blood of Christ on the cross. And when he gave us the desire and ability to believe that, and he offered it to us, we accepted it, and now we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Yes, yay God. I'm not going to say the first part, but yay God, yeah. And, 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 and so we're covered by him. And how long are we covered for? Forever. Forever. You know, I, I say all the time, here's 100 grains of beet sand right here. That's 100 years of life. And that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're living for. This is what we're preoccupied with. When eternity is not even comparable to all the rest of the grains of sand in the universe. 
And so think about what he left us here to do. He left us here to represent his kingdom, show people what it looks like to live in his kingdom, and be able to offer that to them when they defect. And he would accept them into that. Can you tell me what a higher calling is in life? It's not about your occupation. It's not about you CAD design and, you know, bathrooms, although as lucrative as that sounds, bro, I'm just saying it's not about your different occupations. It's about what you've been called to. Can you think of a higher calling in life than to represent God Almighty and offer salvation to the world through him? Can you think of a higher calling? So why do we get all tangled up in the things of this world? And that's what I'm here to share with you today is, man, I've been tangled up. Oh, I get triggered. And I get triggered different than you get triggered. But what we really need to do is get triggered on the gospel and realize what he's got us here for. This world isn't getting better. The people aren't getting better. But you can, <laughs> through the gospel, you can get closer and closer to God and represent him. That's what's supposed to happen. That's why everything comes in our life is to make us look more like Christ. And as that happens, dude, you become a brighter and brighter light, and the brighter light's going to shine brighter in this dark world we live in. So don't ever worry about your light being put out. But don't ever forget your higher calling. You have the highest calling that anyone could ever have in this universe. Did you look at yourself in the mirror and say that to yourself this morning? Is that what you thought about yourself this morning? Craig, when you were fixing your hair? Because I know it didn't look that good when you woke up, right? Did you say, man, you, I, God, I can't believe you gave me this calling that I have. God, help me fulfill this calling that I have. Why you left me here. But instead, we were probably more concerned about other things. Don't forget your calling. Let's pray. Father, I pray that if there's someone here that's never realized they're a sinner, or maybe they realized, uh, never realized that you sent Christ to die on a cross to pay for their sins, Maybe they've never had the ability to believe it, but they do today. Um, Father, I pray that you would give them the desire and ability to surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. Father, um, I pray that you would give them the faith to uh, have eternal life, to just trust you with all of their life completely and throw it all over to you. Father, I've never met anyone who's ever done that and wish they hadn't, but thousands like me that wish we'd done it sooner. Now, Father, for those of us that know we're your children because of what Christ did, we know we're going to heaven when we die, not because we're good, but because of what Christ did. Father, I pray that because of what Christ did, we'd remember our real calling. And I pray that you would help us see everything that goes on in this world from your perspective so that we can help others see it that way. And we can be a part of fulfilling our real calling, which is being your ambassador and sharing eternal life with people. Help us be able to turn all of these tragic things that happen in our own circles, in our own ecosystems, in our own communities, in our own world. Help us be able to turn every one of these things into a kingdom event, into, into an opportunity to help people see life from your perspective. Help us never forget our calling. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.